fix it after the mistake. Lock Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind, in your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. MJ Network will bring you there. everyone this is Fran Lewis this is MJ Network and this is going to be so much fun the author of the wayward target is here Susan Elliott is here and wait till you hear about this story the past often haunts people when it comes back and hits them in the face CIA analyst Maggie Jenkins is about to relive a terrorist attack at a TA school in Breslin in town some 1,000 miles south of capital is under attack by Chesney rebels. Maggie sees images from within the school and recognizes the murderer of her fiancé, that miserable Zara, who she thought was dead. How she goes about stopping it, how she saves the lives of children held hostage, and Zara had no idea. Wait till you hear the rest of this story and wait till you read the rest of my review as it brings us back to the present. She's dead, we think, and Maggie you know, tags along with her Imran to find out more information about her. The rest you're going to have to listen to the show. Good morning, and how are you? I'm doing great, Fran. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And Maggie, this is the third book you said. So give us the an idea about the third book, about her background, and tell her why she. I, I love her. Why she was bent on getting justice for for, for what happened with Zara. Maggie uh, is an intelligence analyst, um, and in I'll go back to the first book. Her fiancé mm-hmm. is murdered by terrorists overseas. And so the, the first book, The Wayward Spy, she uh, is basically trying to track down who actually killed her fiancé, and it exposes corruption in Washington, D.C., and uh, a looming terrorist attack that she's determined to stop. Um, Then it moves us into The Wayward um, Assassin, which is the second book. And in that book, Maggie believes that the terrorist who was directly responsible for her fiancé's death is still alive. And that's where that book starts off. She is trying to track this woman. Her name is Zara um, in Russia. She's in Moscow, and she travels to southern Russia, a place called Beslan, um, and and the opening scene of The Wayward Assassin is actually based on an historical event in 2004 Mm -hmm. when Chechen terrorists seized an elementary school and and tragically and horribly killed hundreds of children and teachers and parents. Um, And so that's that's where that book starts off, and from there it's off to the races, and Maggie is chasing Zara, um, from Russia to uh, across Europe to England and then eventually to the United States um, where there is yet another terrorist threat that she's got to stop. Um, And then that brings us to the third book. I I don't want to spoil the end of the second book, Mm -hmm. but Maggie is looking to find the mastermind behind all of these attacks that Mm -hmm. she's been involved in. Um, And so that brings us to the wayward target, and um, the question is, who is the target? Is it Maggie? Is it the terrorist himself, a, mm-hmm. a guy named Bukayev? Um, or, you know, is it is it a larger target? Um, and that's that's sort of the overview, the arc of the three books. So she has people that she works with who are Roger and Warner, and what is she ordered to do? Which he doesn't so do. Roger, um, Roger shows up in the second book, The Wayward Assassin. Um, he is a CIA case officer, which means he's he's one of the people who goes out and recruits spies. And when Maggie kind of, uh, goes off the radar, 
as she's chasing Zara across Europe. Uh, Warner, who at that point is the head of CIA operations, so he is the CIA's chief spymaster, asks Roger, who happens to be in the former Soviet Union at the time, to go get Maggie. <laughs> you know, go get her, bring her home, or, or get her back to where she's stationed, which was in Moscow at the time. Um, so we meet Roger. He's a very charming, very handsome, funny CIA officer who's got some secrets of his own um, and some some painful um, mm-hmm. events in his past, just just like Maggie. So they're actually they have a lot in common. Um, and then there's Warner, who is Maggie's confidant, probably best closest friend at mm-hmm. the CIA. He. Um, he was a mentor to her late fiance when he worked for the CIA as well. Um, and Warner has a couple of secrets of his own as well. Um, he's a powerful man, but one of his driving forces is to protect Maggie at all costs. Um, she can she can be a little bit impulsive and stubborn and hot-headed, and uh, he vowed when her fiancé died, that he would do whatever he could to make sure, you know, nothing bad ever happened to her. So it's quite a challenge for him. I know. She's quite a challenge for a lot of people. So <laughs> why does she, she's ordered to do something, but why does she go to London and what does she hope to accomplish there? Yes, she. so after the Beslan school attack, she's ordered to go back to Moscow, which is where she's working for six months. She's temporarily stationed there. Um, But she has information that the terrorist has has taken off and gone to London. Um, So we're talking about Zara here. Taken off and gone to London um, where her handler and her financier is a guy named Imran Bukayev. So Maggie's She's not going to go back to Moscow. She's hot on the trail of this terrorist. And so that's what mm. she does. She, she gives Roger the slip, not for long, but she gives him the slip and, and, and ends up in London where she's determined to, to find Zara again and, and get her this time. Well, I can't blame her, but she's, not, she's too impulsive. So this Imram is very connected to Zara, and Zara, who's afraid of nothing, why is she so under control, under his control? I wanted to tell her, you know, like, buck up here. Yeah, it's, they have, uh, Zara and Imran have a, an interesting dynamic. Um, she holds a certain sway over him because of her, her feminine powers. And, you know, she's a beautiful woman. Mm. And Imran loves beautiful women. But his power is even stronger because... He's the money man. He's got connections to financiers for all of the attacks. And he also has the plans, all the details of the plan for the next attack that he won't share with her because he knows she'll probably run off and, uh, you know, try to execute the Mm. attack herself um, and leave him out of the mix. And that's, that's not something he wants. So, they have this physical attraction, and it's more on Imran's side than Zara's, but she can play the game as good as any, uh, you know, mm. wily woman. And, um, you know, there's a bit of a back and forth just in terms of he's, you know, he, he has a pretty violent temper. And so we see some of that. Uh, he's very controlling. And Zara knows how to get back into his good graces, and she does that. But she is a little bit afraid, a little bit of a fr- Sorry, a little bit afraid of him, um, mm. and she also needs him because he's got the money and he's got the plans. You don't want to need him. That's the problem. So right. where does Maggie Maggie decides to stay? And why is she told to let Roger work with him? And why does she take so many chances? And what is Roger's real reason for wanting to work with her? Well, Roger. I mean, Warner knows. You know, Roger's the professional. He's he's trained to be a spy. Maggie's an analyst, and there's Mm. absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it makes them a good team because 
you know, Roger's thinking operationally, how do we get this guy? Where do we, and, but Maggie is thinking bigger picture and analyzing the situation and, and, and they, I think they work together well, but, you know, Warner says, look, let, let Roger handle this. He's, he's the one with the experience, not you. You're too emotionally close to this entire episode and, and, you know, you're, you're being driven by emotion at this point. And it's not because she's a woman. It's because, you know, Zara was involved in killing the man she loved. So let Roger handle it. But of course, Maggie can't quite do that. She gets impatient and, uh, Right. She does. If there's one thing Maggie hates, it's not being told the truth. And when mm-hmm. Roger keeps some things from her, it sets her off. I mean, that's that's the thing that always seems to set Maggie off is when she doesn't know the truth and feels like somebody is hiding it from her. She's a lot like me. I hate that too. Good, better, <laughs> and different. Just tell me where, where I stand. And I hate not mm-hmm. being able to handle something by myself where other people have to do it for me. That drives me crazy, too, which is not good, but that's me. So who is Dowd and his connection to Roger? So Dowd, uh, he's a, he's an interesting character. Yeah. He, going way, way back, um, actually pre the, like, the you know, when you write characters, you have their whole history in your head. And so Dowd was a, um, he was in the United States working uh, at a think tank that was really a cover for mm-hmm. raising funds for Al-Qaeda. He himself is not a radical. Um, it's just, you know, he was hoping to help his family out and get money, and he likes living in the United States. But he ended up being a source uh, or an asset for Roger before 9-11, so the the first book, The Wayward Spy, takes place in 2003. So this is a couple of years before that. So he he's a source for Roger, and he actually gives him some information about, um, you know, Al-Qaeda's got plans for a huge attack on the United States. Well, Roger, again, none of this is in the book. This is just background. Roger is mm-hmm. told to stand down and not deal, he may not deal with this Dowd fellow because he's got connections to real, to bad guys, which this is, this is actually something that has plagued the intelligence agencies for years. And this is because of rules that, that Congress has implemented that the mm-hmm. CIA can't recruit people who have human rights violations in their backgrounds. And I know in the 90s, this was a point of great frustration for the agency because you're not going to recruit nuns and, you know, school children who are mm-hmm. pure as the driven snow. You, you recruit bad guys. Anyway, so Roger's told to, to stand down and not, uh, you know, no, have no contact with Dowd because of his contact. Um, you know, they're just terrible people. So Roger violates that, and uh, he ends up, leaving the agency um, just before 9-11. So he's got a lot of guilt because he feels like if he had pushed harder, maybe he could have gotten some information about, you know, September 11th. So that's all fictional, of course. Um, So fast forward a little bit to uh, The Wayward Assassin, which is book Mm -hmm. two, and Dowd is still working in his think tank, and um, Roger contacts him again to see if maybe he knows anything about Zara if he knows anything about the looming attack and what they eventually find out is that Dowd is still funneling money um, and he mm. happens to terrorists and he's, he's funneling it to Bukayev, Imran Bukayev over in England. And it, um, when Dowd found, finds out what this money has actually been used for, uh, it upsets him greatly and, he ends up fleeing the United States because he's afraid that he'll be tied to the terrorist attack that happened uh, in the second book. Um, And then he pops back up in the wayward target because Roger has sent him um, back to Southern Russia uh, and asking him to, you know, just, just keep an ear out for any information you might pick up, any gossip about Imran Bukayev, where he is, and 
um, that's how we get to, to um, Dowd being in, back in Russia instead of in the United States. It gets complicated. So mm -hmm. uh, what evidence does Maggie have that she, after a while, think that maybe it's not a real threat? And who is Bakayev? Well, he's nobody nice. So if, if, um, in, the, in the context of the, of the wayward assassin, um, Maggie has... Um, she, she's connecting dots that most people think probably aren't connectable, mm -hmm. um, but she she believes that because of things she learned um, earlier in the Wayward Assassin, she believes that Zara or somebody like her is coming to the United States to launch an attack. She can't quite connect the dots. But when she meets Dowd with Roger, um, she finds some documentation that leads mm. her to believe she knows what the targets will be. And it takes a lot for her to convince the authorities <laughs> that this is real. Um, and she, she manages to do that, but when the attack doesn't happen in the places she thinks it will, they pretty much dismiss her and just, you know, say, well, you know, I'm glad we looked into it, but this was a false alarm. And she's not willing to let it go. She knows something is not right, and she knows something is looming. Um, so she kind of has to go a little bit rogue again, as she wants to do, to um, figure out what's actually going to happen. The sad part is for 9-11, if they would have listened to other, some other people that sort of had an idea, maybe that wouldn't have happened also. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know I lost, a, I lost a student that day in the first tower, and I didn't know wow. until uh, the grandmother or the mother came to bring the, uh, the nephew to school, and I go like, how's my Janine? And she just looked at me, and I went, I fell apart. I had to go home. I couldn't believe oh, it. My goodness. She was in two of my classes. I had a four, five, and a five, six, and she was like a dynamite. So every year yeah. at nine eleven, I put out on Facebook, I put a memorial to her because nobody remembers her. Ugh. And she was, yeah. So terrible. It is. So why does Bukhiyev ask for help from an Amar? What's his, what's his goal? Of course, you can't trust him. No, but he, you know, he... Bakayev has to be careful because he knows the authorities are watching him. They're not sure exactly, and this is in England, um, they're not sure what, what British intelligence knows about him and what they, you know, they've, they've, the British have given him political asylum because mm. the Russians have Bukayev on a hit list. And this is sort of based off of a, a true life uh, Chechen political leader. Um, anyway, so he's got to be careful, you know, what he says and what he does in case there are eyes on him. So Omar is um, sort of a, not really a sidekick. He's, he's like a, an asset of Bukayev. Like if he needs something done or phone calls made or research done or money transferred, mm. nobody's watching Omar. He's just a, you know, sort of a, an ordinary guy living in London, um, and he's not on anybody's radar. So that's where Omar fits in um, to their, their friends from their mosque. Um, and Omar himself is not a terrorist, um, mm. but he's willing to, to help out with certain, you know, logistical needs, basically. Moving money, um, you know, doing research, finding out information, that sort of thing. So who are Rasul and Karina, and why does she call this guy named David? So Rasul is, um, he is a Dagestani. So I'll, <laughs> Russia has so many um, republics within itself. Mm. You know, they're sort of like states, but the ones in southern Russia tend to be um, um, 
rested, let's say. So we've, we've got Chechnya, where there were two wars between you know, Russia proper, proper and Chechnya because they wanted independence. It's largely a Muslim republic. It's the same thing with Dagestan. Um, it's a majority Muslim republic. You know, they're not really ethnic Russians. Um, they also would like to become an independent country, and they've just never gone to war directly with big Russia. So Rasul is, um, he's a radical. Um, he wants independence for Dagestan, and um, he knows Bukhayev. Uh, Bukhayev was sort of a mentor of his when they both lived in Chechnya years before. Um, so Bukhayev is going to use Rasul to do some of his dirty work and, you know, hopefully... Um, secure some, some funding for the next attack that he is planning. Um, and Karina is um, a young Dagestani woman who um, doesn't know Rasul directly, um, but she has been asked to help Daoud uh, when he's in Dagestan and to give him shelter if he needs a place to stay, if the heat's on, if it feels like Russian intelligence is getting on to him. So she's just sort of a, a bystander. She's not political. She's not um, involved in any kind of terrorism. In fact, her, her own mother had recently been killed in a suicide attack mm. um, by some radicals in Dagestan. Um, her mom was a cop, so you know she she was working for the the Russian police. Um, and so, if anything, Karina is not sympathetic to the radicals who are trying to, you know, create an independent country called Dagestan. Okay, so now we have it gets really interesting. Bukayev. Bugiev is Alpha Maggie, and why does he think Razul and Doubt have to listen to him? They're all afraid of him. Well, he's yeah, he's kind of a jerk. I mean, who likes I think so too. nobody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he has to be in charge of every situation and all that. Mm -hmm. So he thinks Rasul needs to listen to him because Rasul, or because he basically saves Rasul, uh, you know, from from going too far over the edge with his, his antics and attacks. Um, Rasul actually got arrested by the Russians and was jailed for a year for some, you know, insurrection against Russian authorities. Um, so, you know, they have this, this relationship that goes back years of sort of mentor and mentee. Um, mm -hmm. But Rasul's really hard to rein in. He's, he's pretty tough to... Um, <laughs> you know, for him to manipulate, um, he's he's hard-headed, he's um, brash, and he's definitely not a planner, and he doesn't think, you know, long-term. So that leaves Bukhayev in a bit of trouble because it's, at this point in the story, he, he needs, um, now that he knows, exactly who Maggie is and knows where she mm. lives generally in the United States. He mm. wants revenge against Maggie because of things that Maggie did in The Wayward Assassin to Zara. So um, Bukayev, when he fled London and is now hiding out in Dagestan, he lost access to all his money. Um, he had one secret account. The, the British seized all of his money. He has one secret account that does not have the kind of funding he needs. So he needs Rasul. He needs Rasul to work his network and try to get him the funding he needs so that he mm. can go after Maggie now that he knows Maggie is really the target he wants to take out. It's, it's revenge. It's, um, he wants notoriety. Um, he wants uh, his Al-Qaeda benefactors to see, you know, hey, this guy is one of our stars. We're going to fund him. We're going to put him up in fantastic housing somewhere in the Middle East, and he's going to live a life of luxury as a terrorist masterminder. 
mastermind. Well, that's sort of true. In some cases, too, that it does mm-hmm. happen. So I'm going to sort of combine the, for this one and the last two on this page. Tell us about Warner when he's questioned and what might block him from becoming the CIA director, and then she has to be questioned. Yes. So in the in the wayward target, Warner is nominated to a big promotion from the director yeah. of all the all the spy activity to the director of the CIA, and it's because the CIA director, the existing one, has a he dies. He has a serious medical issue and dies. Um, so <laughs> Warner's hearing, you know, this is this is typical. I worked on Capitol Hill, and so I saw hearings where you know there's a lot of gotcha questioning and um, you know, senators or, or congressmen acting like, well, I would vote for this nomination, um, but I just found out, you know, X, Y, Z. When you know as a perfect that they were never going to vote for the nominee. They're just, it's all mm. political posturing. So uh, there's, there's a senator named Senator Canton, and mm-hmm. um, she really despises the CIA, and she despises Warner. Uh, so she reveals information about um, about the fact that he was inside of um, a building where a terrorist attack took place, and she accuses him of violating the law by running a CIA operation on mm. U.S. territory. And it, none of it's true, but she's just out to get him. And in the process, um, it, it reveals... Maggie's role in uh, the wayward assassin in stopping Zara in a terrorist attack. And so now Maggie, this is how Maggie gets outed as the, quote, federal agent who was involved um, in the attack that Zara led. So that's how, that's how Maggie gets put on uh, Bukaya's radar. And he now knows this woman's name and generally where she lives and that she works for the future CIA director. Um, so uh, this is a, this is not a good situation, and they end up going. Maggie and Warner go into a a room with the the chairman and the vice chairman of the uh, intelligence committee, where this hearing is being held. And uh, you know mm. they kind of have to explain themselves and why this information should not be public, but it's the cat's the cat's out of the bag. Um, so in the end, uh, Warner gets gets approved, gets, uh, you know, approved to be CIA director, and uh, but now Maggie has a big fat target on her because Bukayev now knows who she is. And she becomes his chief of staff. That makes it even worse. Yes, so, she does become his Roger chief of staff, so that's, that's a promotion time. for her, too. But yeah, I know. It does, yeah. I don't think she's thrilled about it, though. <laughs> No, I, I think know. she'd rather be an analyst, but she can't really. Yes, I said, yeah. She, yeah, she wants to protect Warner as much as he wants to protect her. So she, she will protect him as his, you know, in a political sense, like you know, to keep the keep the hyenas at bay that are always going to be coming for him. So she accepts it. She's not crazy about it, um, I, but it's for Warner, so she does it. Okay, so Roger disappears. Why does Dowd want to help him, and how does he get caught? Why does he get caught to help Roger, and why was he caught? But Dowd came to help him, supposedly. Yes. Um, so I, I think I, it might be too much to say that Dowd's loyal to yeah. Roger because Roger's put him in some very dangerous situations. But Dowd is also a good person at heart, and... I think once he realized that some of the things he had been involved in were had horrible consequences, um, he wanted he wanted to help you know bring justice and and help Roger. And he also wants to go home. He wants to see his family. He you know um, he wants he wants a fresh start basically. But Dowd is not a trained operative and. He, He's a nervous person to start with and very intimidated by Bukayev. Um, and, you know, that sort of sets him up for failure, unfortunately. Um, and Roger, um, 
you know, things go sideways for him um, a Mm -hmm. bit. You know, he is trained and he is smart, but he gets caught off guard and ends up in a, in a very precarious situation himself. Um, And, you know, without, without spoiling it, um, he, he basically has to fight for his life. Yeah, I know. We're not going to say why or how. Um, mm-hmm. Before I forget, tomorrow, I don't know if you have three a week. My God, this is like crazy. Tomorrow, somebody we all know and love, Jim Nesbitt, did certain doubt. On the 13th, Dr. George Cavuto and I are going to talk about, since I'm a reading and writing specialist, he's my reading professor, we're going to talk about questioning skills for children in grades K-12, to the type of questions teachers don't ask. The fact that classroom teachers are not trained to do what I can do, so we're going to sort of help them along and teach them the correct way to ask questions so that the kids understand the deeper meaning of the words. The 19th, we have New York Times author John Gilstrap, White Smoke. On the 20th, we have Charles Salzburg, Man on the Run. Now, on the 25th, at a special time, 12 o'clock, Roger, uh, Robert Dagoni, her, her Deadly Secret. And on the 26th, Don Bentley. And on the 1st, Maya Obe. We're going to talk about taking back her soul. And on the 3rd, 27, minute, 27 days with Patrick Moore. That's just some as the month goes on. And so how does what happens when Maggie realizes what happened to Roger? And how did you create the final scenes without giving them away? Well, Maggie, you know, she... Before Roger gets mm. himself in a dangerous situation, they, they, they hadn't had a falling out, but things hadn't been good between them. But mm. when, when he's in this situation, she realizes that she's, her feelings for him are stronger than she mm. thought. And she realizes he's done a lot to try to help her. And, you know, she hasn't always been grateful. She gets angry and, you know gets her hackles up. <laughs> so it's a mm. turning point for her and she she decides that she's gonna go after him and she's she's gonna she's gonna rescue him the way he's rescued her. Uh so she sets out to, to go get um get Roger and um she's got a couple of allies in the mix and Warner doesn't know until it's too late what she's up to. Um but uh, given some information she gets from various sources, she's able to narrow down where uh, where Roger is, and um, she's got some allies. Uh, there's there's a, a character who's been in all three books. He's a former Georgian intelligence officer uh, who's mm-hmm. retired who helps her out um, because in uh, the first book, The Wayward Spy, Maggie rescued his brother and saved his life and uh so he he is always willing to help her out even though he worries about because he understands that she sometimes um acts a little um uh, brashly <laughs> and just dives mm. head first into the situation so um so maggie sets out and uh yeah it's, it's tough not to spoil the rest of it but he i think her her trajectory through the three books she grows more confident stronger she's still impulsive but she's getting better and better as she goes uh in terms of being able able to to execute an operation um you know she she started out as this sort of this timid cia analyst and circumstances have thrown her into situations where she'd have she has to rely on her wits and um a little bit of luck and um, you know, it's just a it's a constant battle for her. Now, the chapters that were really interesting were the ones with Maggie, Roger, and Warner. How did you create the memories, and what were they? How did you why did you create that so they sort of remember things from the past? Yeah, I like I definitely like to show um, mm. how their lives are intertwined or or where they came together and. Um, I, I just think it makes them more interesting characters. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, Roger and Warner had a professional relationship um, going back years. And 
Roger also used to work with Maggie's fiance who was killed. So he knew he knew her fiance but didn't know Maggie. And then Maggie and Warner go way back and so because of uh her fiance being, you know, one of his sort of star spies uh years before. So I like to build that into the book. I like when I think of characters I, I know I create I create their world going back years so that I understand what motivates mm. them and what makes them who they are. Um, so I like to show that you know sort of the the flashbacks or the memories or the big you know that are the big turning points in their life so you understand why they act the way they do. You know why was Maggie so resistant to um, her feelings for for Roger and vice versa, mm-hmm. and that goes back to the traumas that they suffered years before. Um, and uh, you know, it makes you kind of root for them because you know that they've been through a lot. She's not just being stubborn; he's not just being a player. Uh, they both have issues that go go back years, and that, that's why I show these memories. And um, it's just sort of I know them as complete characters and. Um, I think it's important for the reader to at least know some of their backgrounds. That's the hardest part to create the background of somebody that you know you're inventing. And sometimes authors do that, and they go like, "Why are they telling me this? I don't need to know this." But in this case, that's mm-hmm. different. So there are several themes: revenge, justice, hate, grief, tragedy. How did you create all of them? And the characters have flawed. And yet you 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 decide to root for them. How come? Um, I yeah. Well, I'll start with the themes and then why we root for them. Um, there are there are multiple themes, and and it's mm-hmm. it, I think it's a process. You know, like Maggie starts out bent on revenge, and there's a point in the Wayward Assassin, which is the second book, where she realizes she's what she's turning into. And so mm-hmm. it kind of goes from revenge to justice, which is a little bit different. It doesn't mean the outcome will be different, but the motivation's a little bit different. And she doesn't want to become the monster that she's been fighting. And, you know, then it kind of goes a little bit, she just, she wants a normal life. She, she's healing from her earlier traumas. They're always going to be there. But she wants a normal life, and she's still motivated to do whatever it takes to get to that point, which can require some, quote, unquote, justice, whether through violence or legal, legal um, solutions. So I think, I think the, you know, the themes are sort of, they're all, they're all intertwined. You can't really separate them. Sometimes she's leaning one way moves another way, kind of flips back, but she's she's evolving, uh, and I think she'll continue to evolve. <laughs> um, and then I think the second part was why we sympathize um, mm-hmm. with these characters. And, you know, they they do some, I guess, morally questionable things to achieve their goals, and... Mm. But I think they're sympathetic characters that we can relate to. I, I You know, I always put myself in their shoes, like, well, what mm-hmm. would I do if this happened to me? Um, uh, and, you know, would I run off chasing terrorists around the world personally? No. <laughs> but but Maggie would. Um, so I, I try to make them as relatable as possible. You know, they're not, they're not superstars. They're not um, black belts in any martial art. They're not, uh, you know, the, the snipers or the best um, marksmen in the world. But they're smart, but they're flawed. Um, they're devoted, but they're flawed. You know, so I, I like to um, not play up their flaws, but include them because I think that makes them much more relatable. And then they're not like a a cartoon character or you know a, a, a one dimensional superhero. I don't find those kind of characters very interesting. Well, if they're too perfect, you get bored. If there's no conflict and no fear, then you fall asleep and say, oh, God, I know what's going to happen. So what mm-hmm. is, at the end, what does Maggie learn about herself, and why does she constantly risk her life for anyone that she feels deserves her, her to risk her life? 
because she's going to get hurt. Um, yeah, and like I said, she really just wants a normal life, but it, it doesn't seem to be in the cards for her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, I, you know, I think she learns about herself that, that there is, that it's okay to heal and move forward. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't think there's ever moving on from tragedy, but you can move forward with it. And, and I think that's what she learns. And it's also what Roger learns. Um, and, and even Warner, I think, I think they're all learning this, that, you know, we can move forward. Um, and bad things might still happen. And in these books, they always happen. Um, but we don't have to lose ourselves in the process and, you know, the core of who we really are. Um, and, I, and I hope that comes through, especially in the Wayward Target, because that's, that's the third book in the series. So I think mm. all of the characters have really evolved. Well, I really love is your fingerprint at the top of each chapter. Oh, yeah. That, I, I have to give credit to my publisher for that in the, the art department. Um, I, I yeah, love, that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. It's like a spider yeah. web, and you can feel it, the, the, the different pieces of, the fi- of a spider web there, and that mm-hmm. it's going to come out in different oh, – I was like, that is really interesting. You don't get too many publishers that do things that are whatever. So how did you create the final scenes? And I got the feeling that this is not done yet, people. <laughs> that is kind of up in the air, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, um, it, an interesting part of this book uh, is that some of it takes place in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and I'm sure people are thinking, mm-hmm. what? This is like a Washington, D.C., Russia, you know, this. Why? why are they in the Outer Banks? And I think... You know, I, I did that. A, it's a place that I go to several times a year and just love. It's my happy place. Um, and it's part of that trying to move forward and have some normalcy in her life and have a place where the past has no hold on her. Um, so in the end, you know, they're, they're back at the beach, and it's an extremely peaceful scene, and there's, you know, she's feeling very hopeful for the first time in a long time, even if there's this little voice in her head saying, is everything all that it really seems to be? So I've definitely left the door open for yeah, you did um, for more Maggie, without it being a terrible cliffhanger or anything, but it, I've just left that door open just a little bit uh, to, to wonder what's, what's next for Maggie. You know what's been happening, and it's very upsetting. Um, I read like three last three books, and they killed off the main character. And oh! I cried. Just John Gilchrist did that. Wait till I yell at him next week on the nineteenth. <laughs> he killed off somebody I like. Philip Margolin killed off a major, major character. So when I interviewed him in November, I go, "How could you do this to poor Robin?" Robin Lockwood lost somebody close to her. And he said it made it more interesting. I said, yeah, but it's not fair because I like the character. And he's dead. So mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. I hate when people kill off the main characters. They should ask me first what I think because I do have an yeah. opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. Be very upsetting. I, you know, I haven't thought you can't that kill off Roger. Ahead, I, you can't kill off Roger no, Warner I, or Matt. Well, you won't kill Maggie, but you can't kill the other two either because I like them. Yeah, there's sort of this... Um, this odd trio of <laughs> people, uh, you know, who work together, fight together, play together. Um, and I don't, oh my gosh, I, I would just, just the thought of it would make me cry too. I just, I don't think I could kill them off. And that's not a spoiler. <laughs> so. No, I know. It's so sad. So why did you pick so many different locations and settings in this book? Cause I had to go look up a few. Yeah, I know. I, I thought, uh, uh, it's interesting. It seems like every time I pick someplace, it ends up in the news, and it has nothing yeah. to do with the book. Um, but, you know, I, I so the first two books, there were some scenes in Chechnya, which is, as I said, a, a province or a uh, republic in um, Russia that's, you know, very, they've gone, they've tried to fight for independence twice. There, uh, there's still some you know, some violence against Russian soldiers and vice versa uh, there, but they're essentially 
it's, it's quiet now. So I was like, well, let me think about one of these other, uh, other nearby republics. And so, yeah, I do pick some pretty obscure places. But after I finished the book for Dagestan, there was something in the news about, um, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin was trying to get hundreds of thousands of conscripts mm. enlisted for the, the war in Ukraine. And in Dagestan, the mothers and sisters of young men who would be dragged into this war for a cause they don't care about because they're not, they're not even Russian. You know, they're not Slavs. Yeah, I know. They're more Turkic people. Um, and they were, they were, you know, fighting the police and the military and just standing up to them and saying, you can't have my son. This is not our war. And I just, it gave me the chills. I was like, oh my goodness, these, you know, these women are incredibly brave. Um, I, I don't know that it, uh, that it works. I don't know how many of these young men were, you know, dragged off for six weeks of training and sent to the front lines. Mm. But it's interesting when I, when I pick an obscure place for some reason, it, it always seems to end up in the news. <laughs> so, you better, you better uh, research so, that, that there's nobody that wants this place for the next one. But I'm looking at the cover, and I'm looking at the mm-hmm. red fingerprint, and almost as if each side of the prongs of of the circle are like a, a bullet that's going into the into the center of the of the target. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like yeah. to me, like a target with 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 arrows that are going to be falling right into the middle of the fingerprint that's there, the red one, like a yeah. I absolutely kind of this this cover. I I. I could not love this cover more. We have such a great art, art director at our uh, at my publisher, um, and if you put all three books side by side, you'll see that the Wayward Spy. It's it's a woman up really close. You just see like her head and shoulders in the shadow, and her hands mm-hmm. up against the wall. And then the Wayward Assassin. We move back a little bit, and we can see more of um, the woman herself. Um, and then and there's a target on that as well, but you can see more, you can't see her face, but you can see more of her body. And then this one, you can see the whole silhouette and it still has the, the target plus the thumbprint, the red thumbprint, which I think is brilliant. That's what I complained so. about when I wrote Population Zero is I did it with an independent publisher. I won't say which one. And I asked about different covers and I asked about, you know, plot and how to help me do stuff and they did nothing. They charged an all the money. Mm. But they did nothing to help me. And I knew the book was like 80 pages. And I said, I really want to expand it. It was about when the, when the COVID started, I wrote this book about what would you do if you lived in a place with no water? How would you live in a place oh. with no sun? How would you live in the forest when it's all dense and dilapidated and dead? Why would you want to live in a world of ice? And I created a, a dead person to come back and experience it. I thought it was clever. Nobody did. Hmm. Only me. Oh. I didn't like it. And I said, could you give me some ideas to make it better? And the copy editor said, leave it the way it is. Which is why I used um, an independent one, a different one, a uh, self-publishing one for the last one that came out great. I have a much better editor who only does, you know, grammar and stuff, but he did copy editing and he did plot for me. And Faces Behind the Stones Accusations came out really great. And it's told from the point of view of the dead person that's wrongly accused or the dead person that voice is silent or they just deserve to be dead. So mm. I am my tour starts April twenty fourth. And hopefully Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, hopefully I'll get some good stuff from you guys from Gina and all of them. So who knows? At the last time I did I got so so. So Okay question. Where do you see Maggie next? What trouble is she gonna get into? Oh, and by the way, this book is going to where every other book goes, to my dermatologist's wife. She already wants to know why I'm not coming today. I said, give me a t- break. I'm going to come in two weeks and bring you 50 books. She loves me. <laughs> That's great. I'm serious. Share, share the wealth. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, am, I am thinking about what happens to Maggie next. I have not started writing. I actually have this other idea for um, a suspense novel that's been occupying my brain and I'm currently outlining that um, and it's it's a bit different it does involve Washington DC and, and uh, politics um, and deep dark secrets in the past that threatened to derail political 
careers. Um, mm. So I, I may do that first. Um, I'm still working on that and trying to figure out what what's moving me next because I'm not sure what happens to Maggie. And initially mm. we thought this was a trilogy. Then we thought it was four books. Then we thought it was seven. Uh, so there's time. There's still time for me to figure out um, what comes next. Well, I got the feeling there was like an sort of an ending that was, hmm, uh-oh. And that's all I'll uh-huh. say. Yeah. Yes, so I left, you gonna, I left you, the door open. You certainly did. So is she going to have a romance with, with Roger if you bring it back? We'll, we'll kill I it, think baby. So. I, I yeah. think so. I mean, they're definitely, I think they're, they would make a great couple. And I, I personally love Roger. <laughs> I know a lot of people, oh, I love that Roger character. You know, because he's 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 handsome and he's charming, but he's hilarious and uh, yeah, he is. I, I, yeah, I uh, I really enjoy him. But I think he's jealous. I think Warren is jealous of him because he likes her too. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just my opinion. Anyway, where can everybody get all of your books? And start from uh, the beginning, people. <laughs> yes, yeah, start start with the wayward target, or I'm sorry, the wayward spy, so you know everything. Um, Anywhere you buy books, you can go to my website, SusanOlet.com. It's, uh, you know, kind of a tough name to um, spell, but just look for The Wayward Spy online, and that will that will start you. And all my social media links are on my website as well. Well, thank you so much. This has brightened my day. Let's hope it stays brightened, people. Thank you so much. And when you get the next one, let me know. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.